listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello everyone, welcome to another new episode of ESL Talk. In this episode today, we're going to be looking at the topic of bolstering student vocabulary through teacher talk. We have two amazing expert guests, Kristen and Carmen, who are going to share their knowledge and what they um, have learned and written about in a recent book on this topic of building and bolstering student vocabulary through teacher talk. Now, when we hear this phrase, teacher talk, we might think of just, you know, talking as teachers. Um, There's a little bit more to it than that. So we'll talk about vocabulary, about acquisition, the challenges that students face when acquiring academic language, accessibility, some misconceptions, and also how you can find out more about this topic and hopefully build it into your own teaching practices. So we'll have that interview in just a few minutes. But before we do, we've just got the regular housekeeping to go through this week. First of all, if you're not subscribed to us, please do hit that subscribe button on iTunes and also on Spotify. Uh, That way you can get all our new episodes as they drop every single Wednesday. The subscriber count is growing, so it's good to see. So thank you for subscribing and for supporting us. Also, if you're not already following us on Instagram, please do so at ESL Talk Podcast. And we're almost uh, ready to wrap up this season. We've got a couple more episodes to go. But if you would like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, just go to our website, esl-talk.com. You can click the button, be a guest, fill in a couple of details, and you can come to to the podcast to um, share your project or your expertise or what it is you're doing in the world of ESL, which our listeners would love to learn all about. And just finally, don't forget our sponsor, esl-curriculum.com, that's crystal clear ESL, where you can get access to 600 plus interactive ready-to-go lessons and lesson plans. These include homework, these include um, high-quality images, sounds, listenings, and videos in there too. There's really, you know, a really amazing offering there across all levels. If you teach kids, if you teach adults, if you teach business English, speaking, writing, IELTS, we have you covered with a two-week free trial. Just go to esl-curriculum.com to get started with your free two-week trial. You can also click the description as well. There is a link for you to get started with your trial there too as well. All right, I am excited to get into this 
interview with Kristen and Carmen talking all about how to bolster teacher talk. So why don't we get into it? Here we go. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right. Hello, Carmen, Kristen. Welcome to ESL Talk. Great to have you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. No problem at all. So we're here today to talk about bolstering student vocabulary through Teacher Talk. Um, so first of all, for our listeners, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what, what Teacher Talk is and how it could be used to help improve students' vocabulary? All right, great. So could you tell us a little bit about what Teacher Talk is and how we can use it to improve students' vocabulary? Sure. So Carmen and I wrote a book published by Rutledge in 2000, uh, late 2022, entitled Bolstering Vocabulary with Teacher Talk in the Classroom. So Teacher Talk is a tool for teachers to help bolster their students' vocabulary. And our belief is when teachers expose uh, their students to extensive vocabularies, they begin to build their students' receptive and productive language. And it is important to note, um, I'm an educator uh, in, I teach third through fifth grade English language development, and we feel it's important to stress this is not one more thing on teachers' plates. Mm -hmm. This is a mind shift. And so it is about making a conscious effort of weighing every word and every interaction 
with your students and capitalizing on each moment when we converse with our students. That's a really nice way of kind of encapsulating what it is and, and what it means because I feel teachers just think, oh, it's when I speak to students. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, it's not just essentially teachers talking. So that's really important when we're thinking about this idea of how we acquire language and how we use language and, and how we communicate with, with our learners. So um, why is academic language acquisition important for students, especially when it comes to maybe their college and career readiness? Mm -hmm. Well, we feel like that is, is such an important question because as Christian, uh, Christian just stated, um, it's using the elevated teacher talk isn't something that you write into a lesson plan. And so you really have to have a firm grip on your, on your why, your rationale for using it, or teachers won't use it. And so um, we know that in you know, the world of academics, we encounter that more formal register when, uh, than when we interact socially with our family and friends. And this is especially true with the language of textbooks. Um, we know that educational manuals and literature uh, is written in a more formal register. And so if we deny students the opportunity to hear that um, from our own teacher talk, we really deny them an opportunity to access that language um, in developing a robust vocabulary that will prepare them for whatever career they choose. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's interesting, Kristen and I ran across some research done by Noni Lasso. She's from the uh, Harvard School of Education. And they did research with middle school students and found that in classrooms where teachers used a lot of academic vocabulary, that an elevated language that the students' reading scores uh, were higher. And so we know that it just has a, a good uh, impact on students' uh, academic achievement overall. Uh, Lasseau, Dr. Lasseau referred to teacher talk as an uncultivated, unattended to lever for change. And um, we're excited that, that in our book, we are addressing two thirds of the book just addresses strategies for building uh, teachers' elevated language. Fantastic. That's a really um, in-depth and a really nice way to kind of break it down and, and how we can apply this and how it can be useful for learners too. Um, so there's two things I, I found in my research, which were social language and academic language. So how, obviously those are two different things, but how can we um, break down those differences and maybe how can we understand those differences for our, for our learners? So social language is the language that we use in social situations, such as informal conversations and, of course, on social media. So students often acquire this language quickly for so many reasons. They want to communicate with their peers. They want to interact with social media. And so they learn that quickly. And often times they're with their peers a good portion of the day, especially during the school day and also outside the school day. Now, academic language, on the other hand, is the language that we hear primarily in academic settings. Mm -hmm. so, so we often only hear it or use it when we're in these types of settings. So think about the amount of time that we use 
academic language throughout our day, it isn't nearly as much as we use social language. However, when we're in the academic setting and we're responding in written form or even in verbal form, that is the form that is expected of our students. Right. So it's about kind of setting expectations and making clear the environment and what is expected within that environment. Have I got that correct? More exactly. Okay. Exactly. So if we're, as teachers, if we are using that more formal register when in all interactions, then students have multiple opportunities to hear and interact with that language. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So what would you say are some challenges that students might face? when they're trying to, trying to acquire academic language, especially at a younger age. You know, you mentioned you teach kind of elementary age. So how would that differ maybe between elementary school, middle school, and maybe even high school? Okay, that's a, a great question. Uh, to springboard off of some of Kristen's comments. Yes, please. Uh, we know that the academic language is mostly heard uh, and spoken and written and read in an academic setting. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, creates a problem because most students will not acquire that, that type of language in social settings so that the only opportunity for students to really develop that, that high academic register is in the school setting. And when students come to school uh, here uh, in the States, most students uh, start school uh, maybe at preschool or at around age five, they'll begin kindergarten. And almost immediately, we begin a campaign, a literacy campaign to teach them to read and write, and, and rightly so. But there is sometimes uh, uh, this comes at a cost because when the focus is on that reading and writing, sometimes it can happen at the expense of that oral language development. And it's interesting, uh, Strict and James in uh, 1984, they analyzed the gap between listening and reading comprehension. And what they found was very, very fascinating. They found that listening comprehension outpaced reading comprehension all the way through age 14. So if you think about that, that they found that there were actually greater amounts of comprehension when students were able to hear the content uh, through what they heard delivered from the teacher or through social action, interaction with their peers, as opposed to what they just read about uh, or wrote about. And so this is uh, has, has a, a great impact on what we're talking about in the book because we know that most people, according to this research, uh, most students are going to acquire a lot more comprehension, including vocabulary, uh, through what they hear. And so we're trying to capitalize on that that oral input uh, that that we do have control over as teachers. I see. I see. That's, uh, again, I like the way you've approached this and kind of broken it down and, and referred to research as well, which is, which is great. And I've made a note of this as well, which we can come back to. Um, so... How can teachers tailor their language use specifically with the words that they use? And what are some strategies? I know you've mentioned, you've alluded to the book where there's a lot of strategies, 
what are some of the most effective or the most you know um, salient um, strategies that teachers could use to support this um, academic language development? So I'll answer the first part of the question, um, how can teachers tailor uh, their use of language? Um, and I'll use that some of the examples. So let's think of all the common words and phrases you heard as a student in throughout your academic career, and then think of all the words teachers are using and phrases um, as they conduct their day. So what if we took some of those common phrases that students hear, you know, primary through intermediate through secondary, what if we took some of those common words and phrases and replaced them with some more tier two, tier three vocabulary? So more academic terms. So for example, what if we were to say, a common word and phrase you might hear in a primary classroom is come to the carpet. You know, meaning the teacher wants to have the students come and sit in front of the room. What if we would just tweak that to let's congregate on the carpet? So I've just introduced the word congregate. I've replaced the word come with the word congregate. Now, what if I even took it a step further and I would use gestures um, so the students would know that congregate means to come. What if I took it a step further? I teach math um, to multilingual learners. What if I were to replace a math, put a math term in that phrase or sentence? What if I would say, come to the rectangular carpet? So now I've introduced geometry, which is very, it's common. It's a uh, in kindergarten. Now I've exposed the students to the word rectangular, which they will hear when I the teacher is teaching math, but now they're also going to hear it in a different context at a different time of day. We feel that the more exposure the students get to this type of vocabulary and this type of language structure, the more likely it, they're going to acquire those tier two and tier three words. Makes a lot of sense. And I like the, the examples that you used as well. And um, the fact that kindergartners can learn th those kinds of words and connect them to actions or different, you know, um, kind of sentences that they already know is, is a really uh, cool way to think about it. So thank you for sharing that example. Um, and then the second part of my question was um, thinking about the um, strategies. So maybe Colin, you could share a little bit on that one. Yes. Well, one of the strategies that uh, we include in our book is uh, capitalizing on the concept of word families and word families, uh, meaning those groups of words that have common roots. And so uh, if you think about how these might typically be introduced uh, in, in my experience, they are typically have been introduced once students can already read. And then we might see an anchor chart with roots and prefixes and suffixes. The strategy that we introduce in our book is having the teacher model root words that, uh, that use many different prefixes and suffixes. And a good way to, uh, to explain this is again, by giving you an example. So mm -hmm. if I 
we'll take the example that Kristen used with let's congregate on the carpet. So I might be uh, calling my students to the carpet and let's say that I have used that word now, introduced the word congregate. And I would say, let's congregate on the carpet. And then as students begin moving to the carpet in that moment, I could say, oh, I see you are congregating. Mm -hmm. And then as students are all seated, uh, sitting on the carpet, I might say, look at us. We congregated very quietly today, but I see or I notice that one congregant hasn't made her way over to the carpet yet. As I point to the student maybe that is, is uh, taking his or her time to get to the carpet. And then I'll look at students and say, look at us. We made a congregation as I gesture with my hands, all of us sitting together, we made a congregation. And then I might even add, we will recongregate later this afternoon. And so with one exposure, students, we wouldn't expect them to uh, understand all of that vocabulary, but with repeated exposure and in different situations using different root words, our students can very quickly uh, come to know and understand those, those prefixes and suffixes. Yes, I, I love the application, the way you've kind of taken all the different word forms and you've used them in a flexible way in context. Um, so like you said, even if they don't necessarily understand all of the different types of the, the word use, they can at least be familiar with it and at least know some of them and hopefully replicate them in the future. This is, this is really great stuff. Um, so how can teachers make sure language use is accessible and inclusive? This is a really key thing that, you know, that, I, that I work with a lot of teachers about inclusivity and accessibility. So um, how can teachers make sure they use the right words to, to cater to this? So when working with students who are just learning English or just learning a new language, we talk about comprehensible input, uh, mm -hmm. Stephen Krashen's term, that the level of language should be slightly above the student's listening comprehension. Right. So therefore, we are not going to talk on a high level with our students who are just arriving to the country. We are going to gradually introduce them to more comprehensible input. So if we use too many words in the beginning and we're talking too much, and this goes for anyone uh, working with multilingual learners, you're going to lose them. So what we suggest is that you start with maybe a word or a phrase once you have established that the students understand that word or that concept. And then like Carmen said, you're using the gestures, you're using the pictures, you're using multi-modes, different modes of helping scaffolding to help the students understand the language. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's that's really clear and you know the more we can offer context and examples and put them into the right situations then I think that hopefully means that everyone has access to it and are able to um, you know what's the word that I'm looking for they can use the words and they can manipulate the words in different ways which is really important for building that knowledge so what are some misconceptions about teacher talk we already mentioned one right at the start 
Um, but what are some misconceptions that you've heard of or that you you came across in your in your writing of the book and your research? Um, and what about its effectiveness for vocabulary development? So Verplates coined the term the benevolent conspiracy. And this is to warn educators to be on their guard about lowering expectations with higher level questioning for multilingual learners. We feel the exact same way with teachers continuously using simple vocabulary and sentence structures when they're speaking with their students. So once it's been established that the students are able to understand, comprehend, and have access to the language like you mentioned before, we feel that it is extremely important for us to start using the more elevated, the tier one, the tier two, the tier three vocabulary words and the complex structure um, in order for them to have exposure to these words before they are asked to tackle it by listening to a lecture or reading it in a complex text. And if I can just add to that yeah. too, I think sometimes uh, we as educators, we feel the need to connect with the students. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we feel the need that connection needs to be using terms on their level and using slang. And while we do feel that there is a place for all different dialects and um, slang and parts of different parts of speech, we also feel that it is extremely important for the students to be exposed to these words in order for them to be successful exactly. in, the, in an academic setting. Yeah, how can you, they ever be expected to use the vocabulary if they're not exposed to it in different in different ways? That, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, so how can teacher talk be used in conjunction with other strategies to support academic language development? Mm -hmm. Many of the strategies that we introduce are, are also used in conjunction with other good techniques that would be used with English learners, such as total physical response or gestures and using vis uh, visuals to help give students that comprehensible in input. Uh, one of the examples that, that I have used that's included in the book that I've used with uh, first grade students all the way up to uh, high school students is the teaching of contrasting vocabulary, which is something that we do when we're com uh, comparing, contrasting, and typically the first word that students use is that word but. And so what I'll do as we're giving, uh, comparing something, contrasting something, is that um, I will use the hand gesture of a U-turn. And so an example of this might be uh, Asian elephants have small ears, but African elephants have large ears. And as soon as I say that word, but that's when I use the hand gesture of this U-turn. Mm -hmm. And so once students comprehend that word, but, and they know that it's used to present a contrasting idea, I then introduced, introduced other signal words that have the same meaning. So I might, uh, use words such as on the contrary, on the other hand, or whereas. And so then the new example would become Asian elephants have small ears, but African or rather 
whereas African elephants have large ears. And so in that way, students uh, are exposed to this rich elevated language and a variety of, of uh, forms, words that have the same meaning as but. And the beautiful thing about using that, that gesture, the hand gesture, is it serves as a trigger for students. So as soon as they see that U-turn uh, hand gesture, they mm -hmm. know, oh, I know what my teacher is doing. She uses that with but. She's telling me how these two ideas or these two objects are different. Yeah. And so I don't have to reteach the meaning. Now it just becomes a matter of using substitutionary language, other words. And we can post these in the room. And then as the teacher uses them, models them in his or her speech, our students are gaining this rich exposure. And I've seen it time and time again with the youngest of students all the way up through high school, where they uh, try the language on. If a teacher is diligent in, in uh, modeling it, that students will readily try it on themselves and use it in their speaking and writing as well. Wonderful example. I, I did something similar with apples and oranges and I literally used apples and oranges. And I said, is it the same or is it similar? And we, we talked about that as well. So I like the physical the physical part of it, literally doing the U-turn with your hand to, to signal um, you know, a contrast and um, the links at TPR as well, which is uh, a field that I've done quite a bit of research in as well. So I know exactly what you're saying with this. Um, okay, so this is great. And, you know, for most students, they should be able to follow and, and learn from this. But um, how would we monitor or how would we check the progress of students' academic language when they're acquiring it? What, what ways, what methods could we use to, to monitor this progress? So a great way, this is actually formative assessment on the spot. So if we are using elevated language in our directions, we can very quickly tell if a student is comprehending the direction or if they're not comprehending the direction. Mm -hmm. And so it's an easy way for the teacher, for example, if the teacher says, discard your food in the receptacle, if they are able to stand up and throw their food in the trash can, you know right there and then that they understood those tier two words, discard and receptacle. Now, if they don't, you may have to say, discard your food in the trash can mm -hmm. and work backwards. But we have discovered that even with our L's who are, you know, new to the country, if you're using those gestures and it's in a context, they are still able to understand those okay. commands. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Always work backwards if you need to, um, and you can simplify it as much as you can. And, and again, it ties into what you said earlier about always working a little bit above their current language level um, to help support them and, and build up their skills. So how could we support students who might be struggling and they're just not getting it, and we have what I call the bobblehead syndrome, they all just put their heads and you say, okay, begin, and they just look around, or you ask them a, an open question and they give you a closed response. So how can we, how can we help support those students perhaps who might struggle? Mm -hmm. 
Great, great question. Uh, because we know they they do, our students, especially those at the more beginning levels of, of uh, language learning, struggle with the academic uh, language. And I would say that repetition and routines are so important. And so what we're talking about, this modeling of, of academic language and also modeling of, of elevated language in general, really... Uh, is more than just a one-time, uh, you know, hit of, of a certain academic vocabulary word, but it's ongoing, and um, it really is should be pervasive to help students bolster their language. Um, and we know that students just need lots and lots of repetition. So students, uh, our teachers, are seizing every opportunity to repeat those academic words over and over again for students. I uh, recently just uh, provided some professional development for some middle school teachers, and we did a little lesson in Arabic with the, the aid of one of our Arabic-speaking spe students. And it was on covalent bonding. It was a topic that was being taught in middle school. And they were so overwhelmed at just, just the few words we had chosen for them to learn. Mm -hmm. And um, we were able to illustrate the point of when you don't know the language that repetition is just absolutely vital because you're you need to hear what the word sounds like and you need visuals um, also routines are so important one of the routines that we uh we introduce in the book is just providing that visual post-it note for students right in the moment uh based on student need so this could be uh for example uh Kristen gives the example in the book of a student that was writing about sleep. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to introduce this concept of the nuanced words for sleep. And we also talk about uh, opposites on a continuum where you give two words um, and then introduce students to the nuanced vocabulary. So we might talk about the types of sleep that are um, more that deep or or long sleep as opposed to a light sleep. So mm -hmm. light sleep being a doze or a rest or a snooze uh, and longer sleep being a slumber or a hiber to hibernate. And in that way, we, we help students develop this robust language, but it only happens through repetition. Uh, uh, and we can certainly do that as teachers as we continually put that vocabulary in front of students and use routines on a regular basis um, because then we don't have to reteach the routines and students mm -hmm. will know when the teacher starts to uh, draw a, a, a line on the board with two words. Oh, I know where she's going. These words are polar opposites and now she's going to fill in the nuanced language for us. So I don't have to reteach that, that routine. So repetition and routines are are vital. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that. And I always make a game of that with students. And I'll say repetition, and I'll say what? We, keep, we play that game sometimes to help them, but it definitely helps them learn. And I yeah. like the way of, of drawing the line and, and kind of putting a scale on there. And, and, you know, we can manipulate that. We can get students to fill in if they have the confidence, the knowledge. Uh, we can even extend the line sometimes as well if we're able to. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do with that. And these are great techniques that you're sharing and um, kind of really excited to find out more about the book. So why could our listeners um, find your book? Why can they purchase the book? Uh, what's the information about the book? 
so we published uh, the book. Uh, Carmen, do you want to hold it up again mm -hmm. yeah. for our listeners? Uh, Bolstering Vocabulary with Teacher Talk in the Classroom. Uh, it is on Rutledge's website, um, as well as Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And if you even Google the title, it is on a myriad of sites. Uh, we also had the opportunity uh, recently to have a book signing at our Barnes and Noble. So they do uh, carry that. Incredible. I will drop all the links um, below the episode description. So if any of our listeners are interested, they can definitely check that out. Um, it sounds like you've got lots of amazing, uh, useful advice in there and practical tips for, for the teachers. So we'll definitely push that out for our listeners to check out as well. And how could our listeners get in touch with you um, if they have any more questions about what we've discussed today? Um, bolstering teacher talk at gmail.com is a great way you can use that and uh, we will both reach out. Amazing. That is wonderful. I really appreciate your time. Thank you both for joining me today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Daniel. All right. So there we have it. Another great interview with our guests, Kristen and Carmen. Do follow the links in the description below so that you can have a look at their book, um, get yourself a copy and find out more about what they do as well. So I've added all the social links and the ways to get in touch with them below. Um, I really enjoyed this episode and I learned a lot about Teacher Talk as well. And there were some really great strategies and some simple ways we can implement, uh, you know, our teaching um, to bring in these strategies and to enhance uh, student vocabulary in lots of different ways. So hopefully you're able to take away quite a bit from that. I know I was. Uh, again, if you would like to join us for an upcoming episode, you can do so. Just go to the website esl-talk.com, click the Be a Guest button, tell us a little bit about the project or what it is you'd like to speak about, and we can arrange an interview for you. Again, if you have any questions, we do get them quite regularly. We're always happy to answer them for you. You can email us esltalkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also do so on Instagram. You can go to esltalkpodcast, click message and send us a message through as well. We always appreciate the feedback and the kind comments. Uh, we continue to grow and we're doing fantastically well. So we're really grateful for that support. We're almost at the end of our season. We've got a couple more episodes to go. So please, please do feel free to join us again next week for another new episode and we will see you very soon. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.